And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? May we be blessed by the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, just a, a few way of announcements, and then we'll get into uh, this morning's sermon. Uh, just two announcements this morning. Uh, the, the first one is this. Uh, I'll read this, because if I don't, I'll get lost in the weeds. So uh, let me go ahead and read this. Uh, and then um, if you have any other questions after, after this announcement, just come find me or uh, Sue or Miss Patty. Uh, this is the announcement. It says, calling all women who desire to to be prayer warriors, starting Sunday, September the 5th at 6 o'clock to 7 p.m., we'll be meeting weekly at the church to ignite and focus our prayer lives. We'll be using a Christian classic, What Happens When Women Pray, during that class. The techniques in the book will be applied throughout the group for prayer time each Sunday evening. If you have any questions, please contact Ms. Sue or uh, Ms. Patty or myself. There's a phone number. Uh, just find me afterwards. I'll give you that phone number uh, just for the sake of time this morning. Also, uh, if you see Jared, today's Jared's birthday. Uh, he did turn 30. Today's his 30th birthday, so let's wish Jared a happy birthday. I don't know where he went. I'd sing him a song, but uh, we'll, we won't do that. During... Wow. <laughs> you know you're desperate when you ask to sing your own song. So. <laughs> no, I'm not singing for sure. Happy birthday, Jared. And, and lastly, we've been praying for youth pastor. We'll engage uh, this morning uh, in that prayer together. Uh, remember, as we said last week, we'll continue to do this prayer into uh, the first week of October. If God hasn't answered the two prayers we've been asking, that is that he would rise someone up within the body to take that um, position or that he'd bring us someone, uh, that then we would, after October, uh, form a committee, have a job description, and then seek God's wisdom as we go out to uh, find that person. So let's seek the Lord in prayer this morning for youth pastor and for our service. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you've already done in uh, the hour of Sunday school. I, I pray that you would have already used and the Holy Spirit would already be speaking to us in that regard. I, I pray for us this morning, God, as we continue to, to seek you, to seek your face in, in regards to a youth pastor. We desperately need someone, God, that you would raise up in this body to become a, uh, 
one that would minister to our students, 6th through 12th grade, that they'd have a passion for you, a passion for your word, and for sure a passion for uh, these students. God, we say all the time, these students are not the future of the church, they are the church. And we need, even now, God, as you tell us, to equip them for the work of the ministry, as you tell us in Ephesians chapter 4, that we'd equip these students to engage your word and then they're engaged in this lost world. But we do, God, we ask that you would raise someone up in our midst, bring someone to us um, that is not here, part of our body yet. And if those two, God, if in your wisdom, your sovereignty and your goodness to us, that is not how you would answer those requests, we would then say, God, give us wisdom as we would leave and begin to look for that person outside uh, of this body. And we pray that you would prepare us as much as you are preparing them for us. So, God, we offer ourselves to you. We offer this request, and we lay it at your feet, and we ask that you would answer it um, speedily as we just read in the text. And so now, God, we come to you, and we lay our lives down uh, before you. Ask that you, through the Holy Spirit, would illuminate our minds, our ears, and our hearts to receive your word. Your word is infallible. It's inspired. It's inerrant. You've given it to us. God, for both correction, rebuke, and encouragement, I pray that would be so true for us this morning, that you would use this word um, from uh, this parable to encourage our hearts. So lead us, guide us, and give us hope this morning. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus, and all of God's people said, amen. Uh, This morning we will be in Luke chapter 18, just as a way of Uh, Just seeing behind the curtain how things work in my mind, in my heart. Over the last several weeks, I've been praying as we were coming to the close of Colossians, God, what would be the next place that you would have us? Historically, what God, uh, I enjoy teaching this way. I love teaching through books of the Bible. And so uh, normally if I teach a New Testament, I always feel like the Lord leads us to the Old Testament. My goal one day would be to said, I've preached through an entire Uh, Bible, all 66 books. We're a long way from that. We are putting a dent in that. But as I was praying and thinking uh, uh, over the last several weeks, three weeks, I I thought first, like the book of Ruth, like maybe Ruth. I I love that book. I love uh, the kinsman redeemer in the story of Ruth and what that means uh, for us, what that means for the church. And then I began to look at that last week, this week, and I got to Tuesday and I was like, well, that doesn't feel like I'm supposed to do that. I was like, this is not going to go well for the rest of the week because I, I don't normally uh, do that. And so then I thought, well, wh- what about what would be next? And then I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying James. It probably was just Taco Bell because obviously we're not in James this morning. Uh, so uh, I began to cry out to God, okay, God, James. And, I, and so yesterday I'm studying for the passage in James because that's what I thought. And um there's very few times in my life as a believer, as a pastor, that it's so clear, James is not it. Uh, and then again, you just sit and think and pray and ask God. And um, I do believe this is from the Lord. Uh, based on what, um, even Wednesday, uh, I was telling, Jonathan asked me Wednesday night, he's like, hey, what are you teaching on Wednesday? I was like, I'm definitely doing Acts chapter 2. And so I, we get down, we have dinner. And yeah, Acts two forty two, and we start, and then somehow we get to Matthew. I'm like, well, I'm not next. So 
I'm not sure what's happening in me. I'm just letting you know what's happening in me. But I do know this morning, I do feel the urgency to talk about prayer. And I don't think it's by coincidence. Um, if you were with us on Wednesday night, just God began to use that prayer time in a, in a very sweet way for us. And, and then catch word that there's some ladies that have this passion, this desire to begin to pray. And so now sitting here, I'm like, it makes sense that God would put onto my heart to teach us what it means to pray and how we are to pray. So I'm going to start this sermon series. Uh, it's going to be called Teach Us. Teach Us to Pray. It comes out of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 is the Lord's Prayer. And so over the next several weeks, I'm going to take the Lord's Prayer and I'm just going to break it down line by line. And so we, we might be here into October. I don't know how long it's going to take us. But I do know that God is saying to us through me that we need to be a praying church. Um, if we are not a praying church, we will have no power in the church. Power comes through prayer, and we must be dedicated to praying. And now, in Luke chapter 11, that Luke chapter 11 is Jesus sharing to us, hey, this is how you ought to pray. He says that in Matthew chapter 6, uh, uh, when he's on the Sermon on the Mount. This is how you ought to pray, and he gives them this formula to pray. It's not this is how you are to pray, and this is the only prayer for us. This is a a template for us, how we are to pray. And so I'll get to that in uh, next week. But as I was studying and thinking about the passage and getting ready for us, I came back to this passage in Luke chapter 18. I referenced it several weeks ago. It's the persistent widow. If you And we'll get into the passage. This lady that has this request, and she continues to go to the unrighteous judge, beating on his door till he answers that question. And so yesterday, as I was preparing thinking, I kept coming back to this. I kept coming back to this one verse. And it says this in verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And the two things I want to look at this morning are these two phrases. Always to pray and not lose heart. Always to pray and not lose heart. I don't know about you this morning. I know about me. That I often lose heart in my prayer life. That I bring these requests to the Lord. And He seems not to answer them. And I lose heart in that. What that word means in the, the Greek is this. It means to get discouraged. And I don't believe this morning I'm the only one in the building that is discouraged in their prayer life. I think we have this desire to pray. But think it's our discouragement that doesn't lead us to always praying. Because if I polled the room this morning and said to the room this morning, hey, who wants to pray and always pray? If you're a believer, I, I think something in your life, in your heart, you'd raise your hand like, I want to be a prayer warrior. And yet if then I, I polled the room and myself included it, then I would say, how is your prayer life? You would probably say the way I would say this morning, it's not great. 
And it's not great, not because I don't desire. It's not great because I, I don't interact with God in that way. It's because I get discouraged. And when I get discouraged, I tend not to do the things I want and have a desire to do. And so Jesus is going to address this to his disciples. Remember who his disciples were. They walked with him three years. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle that Jesus had done. They had the greatest teacher known to man teaching them the very words of himself. He was the word of God. And yet this day on this plane, he sees in the eyes and the hearts of his disciples, his followers, what? They must have been discouraged. And he says to them, I know, I see that you're discouraged this morning. I know, I see that you're discouraged this afternoon in your prayer life. Let me give you a parable about what that can look like and ought to look like in your life. And so this is the, the comparison in the text. We can read the text and think to ourselves, oh, God's like the judge and we're like the widow. No, what Jesus is saying, there's a, a lesser to greater analogies that he's using. God is not the judge. He's greater than the judge. We are not the widow. We are greater than the widow because he says it in the passage. We are his chosen. We are his elect. We are his beloved. And so he's just giving us this dark, stark contrast between the two. And so he says to his disciples that day, he told them a parable in effect that they ought always pray and not lose heart. You may be familiar with the passage that Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. He says, pray without ceasing. This is what Jesus is saying. Paul didn't come up with that with, on his own. He got that from the words of Christ himself. Now, you may be sit, sitting here thinking to yourself, well, I, I've got a job. I've got kids. I, I've got to make dinner. Like, how am I going to pray without ceasing? I'm not a monk and I'm not a nun. I, I can't go to a monastery and just pray all day. So what is he saying in that passage? What Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying, is that prayer would be so much in us that in everyday, ordinary life, in the midst of all that we're doing, we continue to engage in God. Like God is forefront of our mind. We'll see that next week in the passage. And so what Jesus is saying, hey, is God the forefront of your mind and heart? Are you engaging God in that way? Or have you lost heart? Have you become discouraged? Four U's of discouragement, I believe. These four U's are probably the reason that we get discouraged. And I want you to take this test this morning. Ask yourself, are one or all four of these true for you this morning? The first one is this. Many people lose heart in their prayer life because they feel unworthy. They feel unworthy to go before a holy God, to bring their petitions before God. Like they're so sinful that they're not even worthy to bring their sins or their requests before God. And so what do they do? They go and try to make their lives right so that they're not so unworthy so that they're worthy to go bring their petitions. And we know what that does. That will bring discouragement. If you walk with the Lord, if you're a believer this morning, you will always sin, but yet Satan will use that sin in your life to say to you, you're unworthy to bring your request before the Lord and you and I get discouraged. The next one would be this, that we feel unwanted 
because we're unworthy of God. Because I'm unworthy because of my sin, then he doesn't want me. If he doesn't want me, what would even be the point to bring my request before God? Maybe that's you this morning. You feel unwanted by God because of your past, because of your unworthiness. The next one would be this, that you feel unloved by God. Because you're not worthy of God, because you're not wanted by God, then therefore you're not loved by God. And if you're not worthy to be in God's presence, if you're not wanted by God and you're not loved by God, what would ever compel you to bring your petitions before God? The last one is, you could say four and five or four, you feel unheard and unseen by God. Maybe you're at a place in your journey with the Lord, like you've brought these petitions before God. And and you've continued to feel like I am the persistent widow in the passage, and yet God hasn't seen you, and God hasn't heard you. And therefore, God won't answer this prayer. I don't know where you're at this morning in that process. God, through Christ, is going to tell us later on in the passage that we are worthy, that we are wanted, that we are loved, that we are heard, and that we are seen by the God of the universe. But before he gets there, he says to us, this is what you ought to look like in your prayer life. Verse 2, he says, here's the parable. In a certain city, there was a judge who has neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying to him, give me justice because of my adversary. So Jesus gives us two characters. There's the the unholy or the unworthy or the unjust judge, which is an oxymoron. Aren't judges supposed to be just? And so he's saying there's this unjust judge and there's this poor widow. And he says that there's this lady that comes to this unjust judge because there's an adversary against her. But look who says who he says is coming to her, a widow. Jesus is going to take the lowest of the lows, the, the one that isn't going to be loved or wanted or worthy or seen or heard in society and say, hey, this lady of all the people that I could use to illustrate what it's like to pray This is the lady. This is a widow. She had nothing. If you remember or know anything about this day and time in society, women were just as low as slaves. So here's this woman that had lost her husband, that now all that her husband had left her, she's now being taken advantage of. And so because she's being taken advantage of, Who does she go to? The judge. Now, if you know about the sacrificial and the ceremonial laws in the Old Testament, widows had a very special place to God. And so much so that God said, hey, you are to take care and care for orphans. James will say it later on in his letter. He says this, that the way to godliness or righteousness or how you know you're living godliness is righteousness is how you care and treat the widows and the orphans. So there's this place that Jesus is saying, hey, the lowest of the lows keep coming to this unjust judge. 
She didn't get discouraged. She kept in her persistence. It says she kept coming to him. And she kept begging him, give me justice for my adversary. So there's this ongoing, every day, here's this widow coming to this unjust judge, knocking on the judge's door, saying, give me justice. And day after day after day after day, the judge would send her away. And it says this in verse 4, for a while he refused her. That means for a long time he refused to meet her needs. But afterwards, after her persistence, he said to himself, though I neither fear God or respect man, he tells us who he really is, an unjust judge, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice or I'll give her what she wants so that she what she won't continue to beat me down by her continual coming. What that word means in the Greek, beat down or bothering means to be punched in the face over and over and over again. So the judge is basically saying, he's throwing his hands up, waving the white flag, calling for mercy because of this woman's persistence. But now Jesus takes it another place in verse 6. Now he's going to show us the comparison. And the Lord said, Jesus said, Here the unrighteous judge says, Do you hear what he says? Do you see what he did? Do you understand what I've just said to you? Remember this unjust judge finally gives this woman justice. Because he doesn't want to deal with her. Because he's sick and tired of being beat down by her. He's tired of this lady bothering him. And so finally he says, if you're going to continue bothering me, it's going to cost me more that you bother me than if I just answer your request. I, I read this illustration. I was like, man, this is a great illustration. Maybe you get it. I, I, and maybe you don't. I don't know. But anyone else tired of those people that call uh, like the scammers? Like at some point, I read this illustration that so this guy uh, on a farm had continued to get these uh, both emails and mailers for National Geographic. So much so, this is a true story, by the way, he got over 9,000 of those uh, in the mail. And he was like, all right, finally, I'm done. He walked, he took 10-mile drive down to the post office and bought National Geographic. And in, in the envelope, he said, you win. But that's what this widow is doing. She continues to come over and over and over till finally the judge surrenders. But then Jesus says this. You see what the judge did? This unrighteous judge does? He says in verse 7, Will not God give justice to his elect, the believers, the church, us? Who what? Who what? Cry to him day and night, question mark. Will he delay long over them? Those are not questions that Jesus doesn't have the answer to. They're heretical questions. He knows the answers. What he's basically saying, God will give, because we see that in verse 8, God will give justice to them. And how will he give it to them? Speedily. 
So we are called by Christ in this passage that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. Because why? We believe what? That God will answer our prayers if we what? Cry out to him. What Jesus is saying to us is that oftentimes in our prayer life, what God is doing is revealing our neediness to us. I said this Wednesday night. We are needy, needy people. And in our neediness, we cry out. I believe most of the time we don't cry out out of neediness because we get tired or discouraged in crying out that God's not going to answer our questions, that then we become, as I said Wednesday night, self-sufficient. I'll just do it on my own. And like I said Wednesday night, I'll say it again. Most of the time, if not every time, when I do it on my own, it ends in a disaster. Now, it starts off great. That's the illusion. But it always ends in a disaster when I take God's will into my own hands to accomplish it. It says, I tell you this, God will give you justice. God will give you what you need and he'll do it speedily. Now, I wish the word speedily for us meant what we wished it meant. That's not, we don't come to God with demands and he answers our demands right away. Speedily in the text does mean a short period of time. But here's what we know to be true about God. Second Peter chapter three, verse eight says this. A thousand years is like a day to God and a, and a day is like a thousand years. God doesn't see speed the way we see speed. And so we're trying to equate, hey, speed is this to me. And God's like, man, a day and a thousand years are all the same to me. So God's timing is not our timing, but God's timing is perfect timing. Which leads me to ask this question. If these are the, the things that lead us to discouragement, what is it that we must have that takes us out of discouragement. If we feel unworthy by God, if we feel unwanted by God, if we feel unloved by God, we feel unheard and unseen by God, then we have a God-shaped complex or a, a, a distortion of who God is. We don't really know who God is. And that's why I believe that Jesus, in his way to teach us, who does he start with? God. He doesn't start with a request. He starts with us. Do we really understand who God is? Because if we really understand who God is, then we won't be led into discouragement. Because our concept of who God is is what? God is what? He is forgiving. And because he is forgiving, therefore I have value and worth. So therefore, if I believe that God says what he said in the Gospels, that he's forgiven me of all my sins, he's cleansed me, and I'm white as snow, then I'm worthy at all times. So I'm always worthy to come before God, not because of anything I've done, because I understand what Christ has done for me. Christ has given me his worth, or as Paul and Peter say, Christ has clothed me in his righteousness. And it is in his righteousness I can come before the throne. So I'm always worthy to come before the throne of God in prayer. And if I understand that I'm 
worthy and I understand that I'm clothed because of what God did for me, then I will understand this, that he wants me, he desires me. How do we know that? Through our salvation. God chose us, we did not choose him, therefore we are wanted by God. God wants you on his team. He chose you, we are wanted. If we have a proper view of God, we know that we're forgiven. We know that we're chosen by God. Therefore, we know that what we're loved by God. He says this in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He gave it all for us. You are loved. The cross shows us the amount of love God has for us. That's just one of the millions of places we can see the love of God in our life. Which means if we're forgiven, which means if we are wanted, which means if we are loved, then what does it mean? We are heard and seen by God. You see, you hear and see your kids because they're worthy. You love them. You care about them. And they matter to you. So you hear and see them. And so our, what is happening in the text, what it happens in us, is what we're going to look at and study over the next several weeks. Do we have a proper view of how God sees us? Because if we have a proper view of how God sees us, then we will go as the persistent widow did. She knew the one person that could give her what? Justice. Was an unjust judge. She kept going to him. How much more for us if we have a proper view on the holiness of God, the character of God, the love of God, will we not continue to go to him to answer our prayers? And then we won't lose heart. We won't become discouraged. Because then we can trust that God has a passion and a purpose and a plan for my life. And though I wish it would happen today, it may not. It might happen 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It might happen after salvation. But because we believe in the character of God, we'll be persistent to go to God and not become discouraged. So let us be like this and beyond this persistent widow. May we see God for who he is, a forgiving, loving, wanting, hearing, seeing God. Let us bring our petitions before that God and not lose heart. Let me pray for us this morning.